everyone to the rest podcast where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion chaos and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life this is natalie williams your host and as always i'm here with the author of the reconstitution method for healing and the rest matrix virginia dixon For this episode, we have a significant testimony from one of our longtime followers and recent listener, Miss Cassie Bone. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So good to have you. Thank you so much for having me here. I feel really so humbled to have even been asked. Thank you. We're so grateful that you're here. So Cassie, you're from California City. You were a business owner. You have a family. And I know last year was a very eventful year, to say the least. Yes. So in January of last year, on January 21st to be exact, as I was in the middle of teaching one of my fitness classes, I got really sick. And a week later, I decided to go to the ER and we found out that I had brain cancer. And actually, when they went to discharge me, I was told by the neurosurgeon, uh, you could be dead in two months. Oh my. And being a mother of two little children, and I have an amazing husband, that was quite a devastating blow. And then with COVID just kind of really getting started, within I think two months of my diagnosis, we lost our business. And we being my best friend and I who had owned a gym together. So I lost my health, and then I lost the business. And then my daughter got sick. And of particular interest is the fact that your business partner also was diagnosed with a tumor around the same time, right? Yes, just a couple months before my diagnosis, Mm -hmm. she got a diagnosis for a brain tumor as well. So it felt like everything was closing in on you? Yes. Well, how did you hear about us? I heard about you all from my mother. She heard from you all from Catherine Dang. Mm And she just really suggested that coming to see you might possibly help with the pain that I've been experiencing from the brain cancer and the brain surgery. And before I even got to the place of wanting to get treatment or being in the frame of mind to come here and get treatment, I started listening to your podcasts. And I just knew that this was something I needed to try because nothing works with the pain I and I can't live like this. That's interesting. What about the podcast led you to believe that this would help you with pain? When I was listening to the podcast, the connections that you have with the traumas that we experience in our life causing dis-ease within the body, and as you talked about reconciling those things, and I just started to realize that I haven't reconciled those things and how much of that is affecting my quality of life. For the sake of those listening, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? We met yesterday for the first time. It was wonderful. And you can talk about that in a minute. But I'd like our listening audience to hear your story because I hear similar narratives on a daily basis. And I think many could benefit from your strength your courage, your faith, and your vulnerability, to be frank with you. And I think rest is about coming to the table with a willingness to examine these foundations that shape our life and to have a willingness to say, wait a minute, there's some complex things happening here. What are the moving parts, the spirit, the soul, and the body? And you identified those so clearly when you came to see me, but I felt like people really did need to hear your story because it has many layers. So 
when I was four, and this is actually the first memory I even have, I was taken away from my mom. Um, all my siblings and I were, and we were taken away to go live with my biological father. And in that moment, when we were taken away, that is when, at such a small age, I am realizing the loss of love, what true fear is, not feeling protected or safe. Then shortly after that, my older brother was sent away, and so I lost my brother. And it wasn't till listening to your podcast that I realized I'd never reconciled that, the loss of him. Mm-hmm. And then you know, going back and forth from one home to another, the dynamics constantly changing Mm -hmm. and that constant, it doesn't feel safe here. As much as I I love my mom, there were a lot of hardships just at home as she was working through the hardships of her childhood. So I was going back and forth from a place of it's not safe when I'm at dad's house, but when I'm at mom's house, it seems like I'm a disappointment. And it just kind of felt like it was perpetuating. So fear and shame. Fear and shame. Yes. I think that feeling of shame is why it was hard for me to get help. Um, Because as I became a teenager, I went through years where a family member would beat me. I've had my ribs dislocated and broken toes. And it took me a long time to get help. It took me a really long time. I was very ashamed and I already had a sense of feeling like a failure. So why get help? During those early developmental years when the shame and the fear and the trauma of everything was compounding, how did it manifest in your behavior? I definitely would, I don't want to say change personalities because who I was didn't change, but I would dress differently. So I went through a pretty heavy punk phase because I felt safe with the studs and I felt like I was less sexually appealing. Mm -hmm. So that made me feel safer. Mm -hmm. I felt that looking that way, people wouldn't mess with me as much. You hid behind that. You hid the pain behind that. Yes. And then I also did go through a long period of time where I would cut myself because one, for whatever reason, it felt like it eased the pain. It, it was a pain that I could manage. I could manage the self-inflicting pain. Mm-hmm. I couldn't manage the other pain. And to some extent, it gives you a sense of sanity, doesn't it? Yeah, because it, it's it, control. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then the other part of that was self-hatred. So I did it because I deserved it. I So I, I grew up with this thought that, you know, I deserve these bad things to happen to me. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not how any of my parents would have wanted me to feel. But I think as you had spoken about generations, they are working through all of their hurt and they're just doing the best that they can. Well, it's amazing when everybody becomes intentional in saying something's wrong here and this is not acceptable. Whether it takes us a month, a year, or a decade. That is the triumph of the human spirit because it's saying, I will no longer endure this state of being. It's not sufficient. And I love it because it speaks to that what's sacred in us, right? I was meant for more than this. Look, this is a life I've had, and this is a condition I find myself in. And I have no idea how I'm going to get out, but I know there's more, or I have to believe there's more. And 
I want you to talk to us a little bit about what that pilgrimage was like in discussing this with your mom recently. And I know the rest podcast and some level of familiarity with my work really gave you something to sink your teeth into to say, okay, this is a lifeline. Talk about that a little bit. Yes. So I'm so grateful to have a mom that I can talk about these things because as a parent, I couldn't imagine how hard it must be to hear them because she never wanted to hurt us. That was never her intention. And I really appreciate how humble she is because even before I came here and we had to talk about some really difficult things and she said, that's not what she had meant. And she didn't know that's how I perceived things to be. And she thought she was doing what was right by the understanding that she had. Mm-hmm. And that actually really helps to get, uh, I don't know if closure is the right word. But perspective, perhaps. Perspective, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then just with listening to the podcasts, this is just radiating within me that I want to live a full life that is not in bondage to the suffering that is I, I've experienced. And I don't want my children to suffer under my my bondage. So when I'm getting short with them, or it, you know, you look at them and you, why can't they stop? But what you realize is you're just hurting so bad. And with the podcast, it's really helping me to see the differences. This is hurt within me, and I really want to be free of it. And I want to reconcile. And I called you the other day, or you called me the other day. And I had told you, I realized that I had moved on, but moving on from what I hear from your podcast wasn't reconciling, which is why I believe I have continued to be sick. And, you know, I have the sinus issues and then I went through brain cancer. I had complications in both of my pregnancies. And we're not going to have time to break all those down, but something that did strike me during the course of our conversation is how quickly your nasal passage became congested. And I have some level of understanding of the nature of the tumor in your brainstem, which, by the way, the pictures are impressive. <laughs> it's amazing. And this, the rate at which it grew is amazing. But it was amazing to hear the specific things that came into alignment really to save your life mm-hmm. at the 11th hour. But I think what struck me is what I began to say a few minutes ago, and that is the physiological changes in you while I was working with you and while I was speaking with you were really impressive. And I asked you if you had been sexually assaulted at a young age because generally when somebody is speaking to me and that kind of congestion happens, it's from a trauma associated with smell something bad, a conflict of stench. I want to get rid of the smell from an intruder, but I'm not able to. Fear of a vague, hidden, latent threat without being able to understand or predict the outcome. But it generally has to do with something traumatic, so I thought that perhaps at a young age you'd been sexually assaulted. And in fact, that's what happened. Yes, and that's so interesting because just a few minutes ago when you asked about my childhood, I realized that I hadn't even said that. It's like I completely had skipped Mm -hmm. that that happened, and that happened 
from what I believe I can recall, very close in time from when I was taken away from my mom. And I cannot recall how long it continued or things like that, but I definitely went through that. Was it a relative or a babysitter or... Right, so I was molested by a babysitter and then by my older brother's friend. But I don't have a lot of recollection of a lot of the details. I just remember so much darkness. And even some of the memories I have, I believe, are not the most accurate because I think my body's trying to protect me from what had happened. Mm -hmm. But yes, that definitely went on at a very young age. And like I said, I, I don't recall how long it went on for, but I know that I grew up from the loss of my mom and then being molested and then losing my brother and then the abuse as a teenager. It and, just continued. Yes. Yeah. You said something really interesting earlier that you said that you thought that you'd moved on from a lot of these things, but in listening to the podcast, you realize that you haven't. Would you say that moving on in a way, it was essentially like disassociation from those things? Absolutely. Was there a specific a specific podcast that caught your attention? I was really drawn to the podcast that you did with the woman who had talked about being abused by her dad mm -hmm. and her sister had gotten stuck in her room. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of what, what triggered me to realize uh, moving on and reconciling are completely two different things. Mm -hmm. And because I had just moved on from it, I didn't reconcile the disease that it was causing in me. Right. And it's like I always say, it's the body that keeps the score, right? And everything dissociates, right? Or the soul. When that separation happens, it's a survival mechanism. But it's not meant to last a lifetime. It's meant for a season until things are safe, until you find the right time, the right people, the right place. And sometimes many of these memories are buried so, so, so deep in the unconscious mind that it isn't until we get chronic headaches or a chronic stomach ache or breast cancer or colon cancer or liver cancer or autoimmune diseases. Or sometimes we can't even identify a specific disease, but everything seems to be falling apart. It isn't until we begin to unwrap all those things that we realize, wait a second, there's a root cause to this, and it's emotional or relational or spiritual sometimes as well. We're going to do later podcasts on that. But it's so important to endeavor to understand the root cause of these things that ail us or these ailments, right? When you stepped into the office a few days ago, you took a deep breath, and it was like, oh, a relief. Talk, tell us a little bit about that. Getting to be with you, I felt very safe. Mm -hmm. It felt like listening to the, the things that you were saying, it was like life, like you were speaking life and good authority. And the more I listened, the more it was like, yes, that's the life I can have. That is the life that I want. 100%. And you had mentioned the other day that like the darkness is not my story. It's a part of it, but it's not, that's not where my story ends. And it's so funny because I wanted to tell you that the memory I had had about my mom and I'm sitting at the door and it's dark and I'm waiting for her to come home. And that hit me last night at home. And I told myself this, although that is the true memory I am going to change my perception of that. So I told myself last night, I was sitting at the door. It was dark. 
and she wasn't there. But then the door opens, the light comes in, and she takes me home. And even though that is not 100% how it happened, at some point, I was back with her. And so my story doesn't have to stay that I am this helpless child. I was free again. And I want to start trying to recall my memories with something that's not just darkness. Exactly, because that's the exact truth. You have the relationship you have with your mom because that door did open. Yes. She did come through it. And your mother is a remarkable woman of substance. And the thing I loved about your story, it speaks to the what I call the enduring voices of a generation will always speak to the triumph of the human spirit. And you so embody that because the things that came at you crashing down on you all at once are not unlike what many in our listening audience have had to experience certainly not outside of the things I've experienced and Natalie's experienced. We've talked about this before. But the question is, how do we respond to these things? And your hunger, your desire, your faith that, wait, there's something more for me, for my mom and for me and for my sister and my brother and for our family outside of this is so compelling because I think we need to encourage each other with these stories. And instead of being silenced by the intensity of the narratives, which we're not going to get into too much of that today, I think people can be inspired that these don't have to be long, drawn-out sagas that we unwrap for a lifetime. These can be conversations around these principles of rest that we can have. And we'll find that we have so much more in common than not, and that is the desire and the knowledge that there's more than this circumstance I find myself in. There's really light. Those doors, whether it's your mom or your husband or your father or your grandfather or your sister or your boss, whoever you're disenfranchised from, there is another door that opens. Sometimes it's not by the person, but another door is going to open. You know, sometimes we wanted to be that person that the infringement happened with or around, but sometimes that person is not available to do that. But a door will open if you can be steadfast and reconcile, like I always say, the conflict that you have within yourself. In your situation, you had some very specific physical ailments that developed as a result of compounding trauma in your life. And they manifested in this mass in your brainstem. Certainly I saw manifestations of the dis-ease while you were talking to me. The tone of your skin changed. The pitch of your voice completely distorted. You couldn't breathe. So all those things became indications of trauma, very specific trauma. And of course, Again, we're not going to get into the specifics of those things. But what was so encouraging is, hey, if there was a way in, there's also a way out of that darkness. I love that. And there's so much hope in that. There's so much hope in that. And imagine if more of us had this understanding, and I, and I feel like there would be a lot less internal suffering. <laughs> 
tell us a little bit about your experience with Saraset. I referred you to the Saraset office, right? It's an acoustic mirroring system that helps balance the brain and helps the brain relax and come into balance, harmony, and coherence. It's not a diagnostic tool or anything like that, but tell us what your first few days of Saraset have been like. It went by faster than I thought it was going to go. And then... Did you find that you kind of passed out and lost time? I didn't feel that. I did not. (laughs) But considering how much I feel uncomfortable closing my eyes and being in a state where I can't move, I was surprised that I tolerated it as well as I did. I didn't feel a sense of urgency or that I needed to get out. I did feel safe. and, And that was nice. Well, it's surprising because when I asked you to close your eyes when you're in session with me and to think about something focused and just go into another space, um, you broke out in a cold sweat, you became very agitated, you weren't able to do it. So it tells you how quickly the process works with Saraset because right away you were able to tolerate and step into that deep place of relaxation. Yeah, when the brain sees itself, it's amazing. It takes care of what it needs, just like you do when you get in front of a mirror. Yeah. You make the necessary adjustments to optimize your appearance, right? And you always feel better after we leave the presence of a mirror because it's reflecting the things that are not right, right? So what do we do? We intuitively correct them. And the system, it's an oversimplification, but it pretty much works the same way. So it's wonderful. I thought you articulated so well the neurological changes taking place, right? Your brain responding to itself. I thought it was amazing how it manifested very specifically in your body in areas where you'd experienced the trauma because you were very clear on the traumas that you had experienced. So it's fantastic. You also said something that reminded me of a few years back, I heard someone talk about this, that when you're trying to move on and grow in life, it's almost like there's always resistance put up to it just in life in general. And I love this analogy. So essentially, whenever you try to go on a diet, you're like, okay, hey, I'm going on a diet. I'm going to do this, right? You start your diet. All of a sudden, doesn't matter where you go, there's cupcakes, there's cake, there's brownies. People bring it to the office. People bring it to your house. People, like whatever party you're going to, like it, it's all around you. And you just started this diet. You're like, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get healthier. And then for some reason, all of the sugar and all of these things start coming in front of you. And you're like, why is this so hard? Why is there so much resistance? And I find that that happens a lot. Like in any area, when we're trying to heal, when we're trying to grow, for some reason, there's always some sort of resistance that's there. No good thing comes easy. Yeah. No good things. It's so easy, to your point, Natalie, it's mm-hmm. so easy to be bad. And it can be so much more challenging to be good. It's so much easier to have a donut <laughs> than a juice with absolutely no green apple. Yeah, <laughs> right. Celery or yeah, any sweetness in it. It is. It's it's more difficult. The things that are good and life-giving, sometimes they seem to require a little more effort. 
But that's where the growth in character and integrity come in. Mm-hmm. That's what forms you as a, a person of, of substance. Yeah, the spiritual disciplines become necessary, for sure. Uh, could I add one thing to that? Just Absolutely. a thought. And I think also, though, the strongholds, because for me, it wasn't that you use your example of sweet, so I'm going to use that as well. It wasn't that I felt like I wanted to have that sweet so bad. It was that the stronghold was, if you don't have it, then you're going to go without, and you don't know when you'll have it again. And that correlates back Mm. to the sufferings that I had, which Mm. changed my perception of things. Mm. And so actually, I'm now hurting myself because I must have all of this to keep myself safe. Because things have been taken away, so I will keep things safe to me. That's a very good example. And also, just for our listening audience, a stronghold is a lie that we believe about ourselves or that's been spoken over us. And we have to be careful. And we talked a lot about decisions of conscience in the segment with Catherine Dang. But we have to be careful not to step into agreement with those things. So when something, those lies, those thoughts, right, the scarcity mentality of things come in, we need to train ourselves to become skilled at saying, no, that is a stronghold, that is a lie, and that is absolutely not true about me, about my mom, about my husband, about my children. That is not how things are. And I love how you spoke about your parents. I think there were good intentions there, but oftentimes hurt people don't understand their own pain, and so they hurt people. And it isn't until we see the pain sometimes that we inflict on others that we really come face to face with our own depravity, our own brokenness. And the beautiful thing about your family, I think there's a lot of reflection and self-reflection and there's a lot of growth in that. And there is not a propensity to have a victim mentality and become or a compliant mentality about things that are just not acceptable either things that you do, things that you've done, ideas perhaps that you're accepting that you know are not true about you or your mom or your family or your relatives or even your perpetrators. And I think you have taken the heart and soul and certainly the intention of rest and you've gone through great pains to apply it to your life and to grow from it and leverage it for your gain. When you stepped into my office, you you were so we were in sync, so we were able to accomplish a lot. So why don't you close us out and tell us because we only met for a few hours, but it was really significant. So I was talking to Renee yesterday before our session start and I told her how amazing the conversation was that you and I had had but that I didn't feel that it should be so rare, that this is the conversations that we should all be having together, and this is how how it should be. And I think when when we are able to have these conversations, we're going to live a much freer life. I think really for me, what you have helped do is just really help show me how I'm going to go about getting this liberty, freedom, and let the things in my past that would mean me harm, let them go so that I can live a much deeper and fuller life. And one that has a lot of happiness and hopefully a lot less pain. (laughs) We'll heal the soul of a nation. And that's the 
hopefully that's where we're headed. That's that's the mission, the vision of rest, and that's the fruit of our work. So thank you so much for coming. I just wanted everyone to hear your sweet voice and your amazing story and hoping to record a little something with your mom next week. She can fill in the rest of the story. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me here. This truly is a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. All right. If you'd like to stay in touch with Cassie's journey, you can follow her on Instagram at Cassie underscore bone. That's C-A-S-S-E underscore bone. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.